KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. So yesterday we were talking about how the tensions were escalating between Russia and Ukraine. And less than 12 hours later, we had a full-on attack launched by Russia in Ukraine. Russian troops moving across the, the border into Ukraine from three different sides of the country, Crimea in the south, Belarus in the north, and then Russia in the east. Ukraine has called it a full-scale war. The president declared martial law. The defense minister put the country on war footing and asked every able-bodied person who knows how to use a weapon to join the military in defense of the country. That's correspondent Aaron Katursky. He's in Ukraine right now. That was on KYW News Radio this morning. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. So the main question here is why is Vladimir Putin even doing this? Well, he basically believes that Ukraine, the country that the rest of the world knows it as Ukraine, doesn't actually exist and that it actually belongs to Russia. Now, for more background on that, you can, of course, go back to yesterday's episode where we spoke with Nina Barati. But there are a multitude of layers to this whole story. And we're joined today by KWW's Matt Leon. He's been following this for a few weeks for KYW News Radio in depth. And Matt, you just spoke with a couple of local experts this morning for in depth. And what did you learn from them about this? This isn't good. This is pretty close to the worst case scenario. We, I had talked to Dr. Lisa Balioni, a professor of political science at St. Joe's, and Dr. Melissa Chekars, who's an associate professor and chair of the Department of History. Also at St. Joe's, I talked to them a few weeks ago when you started to see this developing about uh, what we were seeing, and we have seen everything go in the wrong direction right now. And there are a lot of layers to this. Nothing happens in a vacuum. There's concerns in the moment. There are concerns going forward. This is going to reach across the globe in one way or another. But first thing we wanted to tackle was I asked Dr. Balione about what Vladimir Putin, why he's doing this, what the hope is. In territorial terms, he at least is going after Ukraine and Belarus. I, I would expect Belarus will be soon since the, since the troops are there and since for the last year plus, really the uh, Belarusian leader has been been beholden to Russian support to hang on to his his power. Now the really frightening thing, and you know, some are writing that that he also is seeking to show that NATO's response, or he will show ultimately that NATO's promise is a false promise. I believe that that will not hold. The worst would be to have a, a direct uh, east-west. Russia uh, and NATO confrontation. Uh, I'm not clear what will happen in the in the in Central Asia. I could see that annoying China or worse in the Caucasus. Not sure, but create recreating a pan, a Slavic kind of union definitely seems on tap. Matt, at this point, the United States has responded to Putin's actions with sanctions. So, what type of impact do you think they'll have, and will sanctions be enough to stop Putin? I think this can't be your run-of-the-mill sanctions that we've kind of become accustomed to. This is kind of a watershed moment where I think you have to see the hammer dropped on all fronts, uh, specifically targeting Putin, his inner circle, the oligarchs that have corrupted every aspect of 
of Russian life. Will it be enough? Who knows? And we've got to see this play out. But sanctions, as were pointed out to me, are kind of a long term thing that it, it takes a while to talk to for have everything kind of take effect as far as what we're seeing right now and and why this is happening now. Dr. Baglioni kind of expanded on on why we could be seeing this right now. The question is how reliable a partner is the United States? And also we see the increasing polarization in the U.S. and the increasing popularity among some in the United States about the ideas of America first. And so you have this weakening of the, of the United States as a global actor, which sees its interests as tied to that of Europe and European defense. The other thing I wanted to point out is the vulnerability of some of our our strongest European partners, right? We have the UK pulling out of the EU, not out of NATO, but out of the EU, and making it clear that the UK is thinking of itself differently. We have Germany, which just went through an, an election, said goodbye to Angela Merkel, who was a very staunch uh, leader in opposition to ready to stand up to Putin. And then we have France, France who and, and Macron, who is incredibly domestically weak right now and is facing an election in April. And so I think that Putin looked and said, the West is divided, the West is weak, and this is the time to go. Now, there isn't anything objective about the situation that said, oh, this is the time to strike. But if you are a Putin, this is how you're analyzing it. The disturbing thing about all this, Matt, is that this it, for right now, it's just about Russia and Ukraine. But in the long run, could we be seeing other dominoes start to fall here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you heard Dr. Balione talk about Belarus and then possible some of the former republics that are now part of NATO. You can be sure China's watching this with eyes on how they the response they would get if they were to really make a serious move to drop the hammer on Taiwan. Like I said, this thing reaches across the globe on many different levels. I asked both Dr. Balione and Dr. Chakars about uh, what we should expect to see over the next few weeks here. I think look for the level of Ukrainian resistance. Look for Russian citizens to see if they do go into the streets and how they are met with you know, what meets them in terms of police force. I think we look to see how well Europe stays together. And I think we look to the U.S. in the domestic political arena, how united are um, our Americans around the president's policy? To what extent are people giving what I would call useful criticisms or what I would call purely partisan criticisms for advantage. This is a serious moment in American history. This is a time when we face a terrible challenge and how we meet it domestically is, is really important. So that's what I would say. 
I think also we need to look to see what NATO, the United States, the EU, and Britain's response is going to be to this. Are they going to send more military aid? Are they going to send financial aid? Are they going to accept refugees? I mean, we hear right now on the radio, you hear on, you know, I was just listening to the BBC this morning, which has a lot of journalists on the ground in Ukraine, and they're watching people get in their cars and try to flee. So is there going to be a refugee crisis? Are people going to try to leave? Um, I think as we were just speaking, what's China's reaction going to be? Putin really does need to have a strong partnership with China. And so China's reaction is going to be important. I think what Putin's actual plans for Ukraine is also going to be interesting. He hasn't really laid that out to us. Is his intention absolutely to overthrow the government? Is it to just create chaos? Is he going to back out eventually and just want those two regions, the Donetsk and Luhansk regions? Or what is his plan here? Um, And then lastly, I think with Belarus is a really interesting question. I was talking to my husband this morning and saying like, Of course, we're concerned for Ukraine. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to be there right now. But this is a global thing. And Putin has threatened, made a pretty extreme threat about, like, war like you've never seen before or something along those lines to other countries who get involved. We know they have nuclear weapons. Are we looking at the brink of World War III? Like, do we think that Russia will start attacking other countries? Unfortunately, I think kind of everything is on the table and I don't want to go zero to 100. It'll be step by step. But Vladimir Putin was provided with off ramp after off ramp after off ramp leading up to this and didn't take any of them and continued on his way. So this it's an alarming situation. And I think the thing with a lot of geopolitical maneuvering, it could be scary, but people can kind of see the end game and know where with the generality of where it could possibly go. I think with this, there's just so many factors and so many moving parts. It could get really ugly, really quick, man. Obviously it's hard to remove yourself from um, just the sad, depressing, and in some ways like hopeless tone of a day like today, but in your conversations, you get any sense what could stop Putin? What could get him to ultimately back off and change course? Well, one thing and from this discussion and other things I've read and, you know, listening to other smart people talk about this who are in the know is we talk about sanctions. You're going to obviously talk about the Russian oil and gas industry because that's where their money comes from. But there are a lot of these incredibly rich oligarchs connected to Putin who traffic in the hatred of the West and everything the West stands for. But boy, they really seem to like spending their money and spending time in the West. And if you all of a sudden make their life very uncomfortable and, you know, I'm not just talking freezing banking accounts, I'm talking about seizing assets like seizing boats. You know, if their kids are enrolled in in fancy schools, you know, expelling the I mean, really. If you are going to do this and go all in on it, that might, you know, help turn the dial a little that these folks start questioning, well, why exactly now this is starting to affect me in a negative way? And maybe it starts to to move the needle there. And also, you know, what will it look like inside Russia? Will there be I mean, we know that dissent is forcefully and quickly arrested and put down, but. It does not seem, I don't think, with rank-and-file Russians, this is popular. And if there is a sense of maybe weakness or sense of an opening, do you see an overwhelming protest response 
within the country. I mean, this is all, you know, when you're kind of searching for things to be hopeful about, and I might be putting too much stock into these things just because everything just has a real bleak feeling. But uh, those are a couple of things I think you could keep an eye on and see where it goes from here. Now you can hear the full interview on KW News Radio's in-depth feed. Of course, you can find that on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Leon, thank you so much for sharing this rather sobering and somewhat disturbing information. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to take a closer look at the local impact of this on Ukrainians living here in Philadelphia. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. We've been keeping a close eye on how this entire situation, which is really slowly turning into a war in Ukraine, how this is affecting people here in the Philadelphia area, especially those who have family in Ukraine. Now, KWW's Dave Uram, he joins us right now because he was at a prayer service this morning at St. Michael's Archangel Ukrainian Catholic Church in Jenkintown. So, Dave, what was it like out there this morning? I saw, Jay, I saw about 10 people come out to pray, a little bit more than 10, come out to pray for an 8 a.m. service that lasted about an hour in Jenkintown. Honestly, I didn't feel like it was appropriate for me to sit in on the service. I wanted to give these folks their space. I couldn't imagine what they're feeling as their homeland is being intact, as being attacked, as being invaded. I also couldn't imagine what they were feeling because I did peek in a little bit, as did other members of the media. I, and I'm not ripping us, the media. I'm just saying I couldn't imagine what it was like for them to pray while television cameras and reporters were watching them pray. I spoke to two people this morning. I spoke to Bishop Andre Rabi, who's the pastor at St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church in Jenkintown. And I spoke with so- Sophia Sulligan, who said that she was born here, uh, but her grandparents were from Ukraine, and she has family in Ukraine. Both the bishop and Sophia have family in Western Ukraine. So as of now, as we are recording this, Western Ukraine is not the part of Ukraine that has been invaded on at this point. It's the other side that borders Russia. The Western side borders Poland. The bishop said that he was shocked Yes, there were warnings about it from United States intelligence, British intelligence, Ukrainian intelligence, but nobody expected it's going to be so widespread. He said that the message is hope. This parish in particular is uh, consisting of uh, recent immigrants, so they do have family ties, friends yet in Ukraine, and certainly it's very close to heart. And this is why uh, we we kind of keep uh, every uh, kind of each other uh, kind of hopeful that it will resolve and stop very soon, and peace uh, will return in, uh, to Ukraine. You know, the thing that stood out to me about the bishop, guys, is that. He gave off the sense, uh, he gave off a presence of strength, I felt. Um, you know, he, he obviously had a sense of the moment, but he didn't sound shaken. He, he had a sense of strength, and I felt that that, that presence was, was um, very noticeable with him. And also noticeable is that, while well, I said about 10 folks were there this morning, a little bit more than 10. He said that they had kind of like an impromptu service overnight at 1 a.m. 
Um, and I'm not familiar with how things are done in the church, the Ukrainian church. So I asked him if this was common. He said, no. He said that parishioners helped him gather uh, a number of folks uh, around a quarter of 12, started, started getting the message out. And by 1 a.m., they had about 50 folks at this service overnight in Jenkinton, overnight, um, which I found to be pretty remarkable. It, it's it's pretty stunning because I know the strikes had started somewhere around like 10 o'clock. 10.30-ish, uh, 10, yeah. 10.30 our time yeah. last night. So within really two and a half hours, they were able to— They were there they praying. Were, there does seem to be this sense of just kind of fear and confusion from so many people who are here in the Philadelphia area, mm-hmm. here in the United States, because Philly, as we talked about on the John Cash yesterday, has a very distinct Ukrainian population. What sense were you getting for some of the people who are talking about family members and— trying to get out of the country. What else did you hear about that? Like people trying to escape the country before it gets too bad. So uh, Sophia, who was the only uh, other person who I spoke with, um, she said that she had not had a chance to reach out to her family yet, but she was planning on it. Um, And she was just going to basically ask them, you know, what are you going to do? I actually, after I was done here, I was going to take my son to school and call them to see if they're planning on leaving or it's hard. It's a hard thing to figure out if you're going to leave or not. The bishop was talking about his family rushing to the store, some kind of panic out there. Um, but everybody, you know, was very resolute. That's what the bishop was saying, following the news and basically making sure that they're ready for any kind of development. That's the message that I got from the from the bishop. Uh, I, I will say, Jay, that the thing uh, that stood out to me most, in addition to the bishop's strength from Sophia, is... And and this is kind of like a general message that we should follow every day in life. We all try to teach our children against bullying, and this is the epitome of what bullying is, and we all just need to stand together against it. So she felt that it was really important to to come together, pray for peace and sovereignty. Ukraine deserves its its status as a nation. It deserves its status to be what it is right now, not what Russia wants it to be. And— if we're teaching our kids, don't bully, then Russia shouldn't bully Ukraine. And I found that message to be very inspiring as I was speaking to her uh, this morning. This is a very difficult subject on a very difficult day. Dave, thank you so much for coming in and giving us a little bit more insight on what people are feeling right now. Thanks, guys. Now, of course, all of KYW's reporters are on top of this. Hadas Kuznets has been out all day talking to local folks who have connections to Ukraine in some way or another. Here's some of what she heard on the streets. This has been a sleepless night. Immigration attorney Igor Volushin says he's been fielding nonstop calls from people in the Ukraine, as well as clients in the Philadelphia area who have family members living in harm's way. I'm trying to keep people calm, telling them to obviously stock up on food and stock up on, uh, obviously, funds. Volushin, who was born in Kiev, tells me among his many calls was a conversation with a former classmate of his who still lives there. He said that they were hiding in their basement, for lack of a better word. They put all of their essential supplies there. They did hear the rumblings and the bombings, and they suspect the bombings and the missiles are hitting of a nearby air base. And he says people are trying to get supplies. Some are attempting to travel anywhere they can to the west of the country. I just had a conversation with a gentleman whose mother is in Kharkiv. He is just an absolute nerve wreck. Volushin says the man is one of many clients with whom he's been on the phone, concerned about their loved ones, and tells me the man warned his mom to just simply leave Ukraine last week. To any country to the west, like Poland, as she said that she wasn't 
wasn't going to do it because she could not imagine that this was actually going to happen. Voloshin says the people of Ukraine have been getting conflicting Western news and Russian news reports about the buildup to the conflict. They just simply were hesitant to believe that something could happen in the middle of the country to the west of the capital, because why would he want to do that, right? They truly believe that this was only simply about disputed territories. Well, now we know it's not. Putin is trying to, in fact, decapitate the leadership in uh, Kiev around the capital and install his own you know, Russian-backed uh, uh, regime. And if that is the case, then we are in for a long-term conflict because the will of the Ukrainian people will not waver. I know them. I'm one of them. And I can tell you that they will relentlessly fight to defend their homeland. We will be keeping an eye on this entire situation with Russia and Ukraine. It's going to it's constantly developing. So, of course, for more information on this, KWNewsRadio.com. You can listen to us on the Odyssey app or listen to us locally here. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Ryan Seltzer. We'll see you again tomorrow.